This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby, also known as SheCup, and I am one of your co-hosts for this show. We are so excited to be back, and I am here with my other co-host, and I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, so I am Austin, otherwise known as Teacup. I am your lore guide for this podcast, and we are so happy to be back on this podcast and after our little week break after we've started our moving process and we're just excited to be back with this episode yeah we did mostly move i mean it's not over i feel like moving's not 100 percent until like months after you move but um we're mostly done so we're getting back in the hang of the podcast schedule which we're super pumped to do because this episode i'm so excited for this episode for two reasons number one because this is a character deep dive of one of my favorite characters and i also picked this topic and number two because this is the start of season two Yeah, so season one was all about the Assassins and Templars. We had our brief episode on the Animus, but everything else was all about those Assassins and Templars. And now we're kind of, season two is going to focus a little bit more on the mythological side of Assassin's Creed. We're going to look at the Isu and the Pieces of Eden and other more mystical things about the Assassin's Creed universe rather than the historical side. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So today we're starting with a character deep dive. Is this deep dive going to go into the mythological and mystical too? Or is this going to be um, just like strictly character stuff? It's mainly character stuff. Um, We don't get too much into the Isu at all. It's a good transition though, because we're going back to, we're going back way far in history for our character deep dive today. And so our character deep dive today is Aya of Alexandria, otherwise known as Amunet, or Aya, wife of Bayek. I don't think she's ever referred to as Aya of Siwa, but she might be. But she's from Siwa, so I still think that that could be an appropriate title. I mean, her place of birth is Alexandria. All right. So, you ready to just dive in? I'm so ready. All right. So her life in Siwa, we'll start there. So she was born in Alexandria. I was born in 85 BCE. So for some of you who don't know, or sometimes it's hard to remember, what used to be called BC or BCE, their numbers count down. So the lower the number, the closer it is to our history. So And they count down to the year zero. Correct. 
that's how the calendar works. Um, if you're a fan of our Dragon Age lore cast, it's similar to how the ancient age is minus whatever number. So she is a half Greek, half Egyptian descendant of Cassandra Equalbearer and Natakis, who is the son of Darius, who is the first user of the Hidden Blade. Um, That's really interesting. I don't think I knew that until now. So Darius is Cassandra and who? Natakis, who is Darius's son. Okay, so are Cassandra and this Natakis person like a relationship in Odyssey? Um, So that's a very highly debated topic. And when released, it made a lot of people upset because one of the big selling points in Odyssey is that you get to decide that kind of sexuality around Cassandra or Alexios. And they kind of forced this relationship, this, for lack of a better word, heteronormative relationship onto the story for the progression of the blood of the bloodline. Um, and we'll get into this when we talk about Cassandra and probably later in this season when we talk about the demigods and heroes. So it, it's player choice. You can either have the relationship with Darius's child. It's a woman if it's Alexios and a male your Cassandra you can choose to have that romantically and have those feelings or you can do this as of like this is a necessity for prolonging like basically the bloodline of Leonidas that is interesting I can I can see how and why people would be really upset about that because you know it it is kind of framed as player choice but like at the end of the day the plot the basic plot is still predetermined in Odyssey, there are choices you can make that affect the ending and outcome. It all kind of ends at the same point, but like how well Cassandra or Alexios is off is related to how your player choices are. But so is there an option for there not to be a child? No. See, that's what I mean. Um, and that was what got people upset is that there was no option to not have a child. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Mm-hmm. But let's move on and get back to Aya. Yes. Um, just, and I briefly said this, and it might be a little too late, but hot, heavy spoilers for Assassin's Creed Origins coming up. And Odyssey. <laughs> and Odyssey. And a little bit of Valhalla. At a young age, Aya moves to Siwa after her parents are studying in Alexandria to live with her aunt. While in Siwa, she meets a very young Bayek, uh, the son of the Magi Sabu. And by 15, the two were a couple. Now, I don't know what the wiki and everything was unclear, whether that means they were married at 15 or like they were betrothed at 15. My guess around the time means that they might have been married at 15. But I don't think Bayek would have been 15 if we're going kind of how the times are. What do you think? Yeah, I do think it's unlikely that they would both be 15. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that like Bayek is 30 and, and Aya is only 15, but yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could have been, we just don't know. I wish they, it would be great to have like a little bit more context, like a comic or a book or something that kind of dove into their backstory a little bit more. Right. And like 15's a little late for like a arranged betrothal. Yeah, that's no, that's true. But I mean, I think the way you've got it, you've said it to me 
is that it's like they became friends and they became close. It doesn't sound like it would have been anything arranged. Right. So eventually while growing up in Siwa and experiencing Siwa, Bayek eventually decides to try to find his father who has gone missing. And Aya accompanies him. They go to search for that. So they find him. And this is where Bayek for the first time learns that his father is a Magi, part of this secret order. And the reason that he's gone is he's hunting a killer from the Order of Ancients that is trying to eradicate the Magi. I found this fact very, very interesting because Origins kind of sets it up as this is like the beginning of the Order of Ancients. From Odyssey, we know that's not the case, but it's kind of planting like the Magi were a threat to the Order of Ancients from the very beginning. Well, I think absolutely they are, um, or were at least. I also think it's interesting because like Bayek is the last Magi, like they did eradicate them, you know? Yeah, um, at this point, Bayek and Sabu are the last two Magi. Right. And so while they're in the desert, just kind of hanging out and hiding out, Sabu takes this time to accelerate Bayek's Magi training. And so while in the mornings he trains with Sabu and Bayek, the rest of the day, Bayek went and trained Aya in the ways of the Magi. And it kind of, when you first read that, you're like, oh, he did this behind his father's back. But no, Sabu actually agreed to this. Okay, so like, that's great. But why wouldn't Sabu just train both of them at the same time? To save time. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think okay. I don't have a reason. I tried to make one, but I don't have one. So eventually, as all these tragic stories go, the killer does end up finding them. And in the struggle, he does kill Sabu. And so Baik and I go on their first ever kind of revenge hunt. And they track him to Siwa and they kill the killer of Baik's father. It is after this that Aya discovers that she's pregnant. And previously to this point, she had always planned on going back to Alexandria and becoming a scholar. Well, after discovering she was pregnant, she kind of said farewell to those dreams and embraces being a Magi and living in Siwa. And it is there that she gives birth to their son, Hemu. That's really interesting to me. I have two things. First, because Aya like totally doesn't seem like a scholar to me. And I know we only see them, her and Bayek, as like grief-stricken parents who want revenge, who want to do better by their son. I get that. But even so, she just really doesn't strike me as a scholar or academic. Well, that's interesting because of what's about to happen. Uh, okay well I have something to say before you do that okay the other thing I was gonna say or ask really is do we know who the person who killed Sabu is um I saw a link they mentioned a name one time but I couldn't link it to anything to get the name like to find out more about who they are they worked for the order of ancients so there's no official like canon answer Not that I could find a link to. So that's pretty much it until the Order of Ancients comes to Siwa in search of the Siwa Vault. 
And it is in that conflict that Hemu is accidentally killed by Bayek, though I would argue that it's the Order of Ancients that kills him, even though it is like Bayek's holding the dagger and it's an accident that goes into Hemu. But do you want to give a few more details about that, about like what exactly happens just in case uh, people don't remember exactly or haven't seen that yet? Yeah, so basically what happens is Bayek and Hemu are captured by the Order of Ancients, and they're basically kind of like, they're trying to force Bayek to open the vault, even though he has no idea how to do it. And then Bayek tries to, like, escape and, like, attack the people, and in, like, the struggle, things go awry, and the dagger Bayek is holding goes into Hemu. And so why would you say that that's not really his fault? Because it's not, like... It's not that he kills Kemu. Like, I wouldn't say that he's responsible for his death because if the Order of Ancients hadn't been greedy, if the Order of Ancients hadn't been using a child to manipulate people, if the Order of Ancients hadn't been there, there was no way that Bayek would have been in that situation to accidentally hurt his son. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So after Kemu's death, I... Uh, obviously unable to cope with the death of her son, as any parent would be. She leaves Siwa and goes back to Alexandria uh, to continue her studies with her cousin. Why are you laughing at me? Because you were just like, she doesn't seem like a scholar, but she... I mean, I don't think she does. I stand by it. Like, you can talk about, well, this is what she does, all you want to, and that's totally fine. But to me, she's just so much more, like, outward-focused and even aggressive and assertive and like in the world than a scholar or academic tends to be, at least in my perception. That's fair. And so while in the library of Alexandria, Aya's brilliant mind attracts the attention of none other than Apollodorus, who then takes Aya and introduces her to Cleopatra. And the two quickly become friends and Aya is taken into Cleopatra's service. It is through this service that she learns that the Order of Ancients was the ones responsible for Hemu's death, not, uh, she previously thought that it was the court of Queen Ptolemy, but it was actually the Order of Ancients, even though you could argue they're kind of one of the same because Ptolemy is the Order of Ancients puppet king. Uh, and so in 48 BCE, uh, I identified a member of the Order of Ancients and sneaked into his quarters and assassinated him when he returned, taking a royal papyrus from him. Ira returns to find another accomplice of this Order of Ancients person and had followed her and, take it and attempted to kill her in revenge. Though she was able to eliminate him, she attracted the attentions of the Philoketes of Alexandria, resulting her in becoming a wanted criminal. Apollodorus gives Aya a hideout beneath Alexandria, and she would communicate with her cousin who worked in the library. And so after this is when Bayek has comes to Alexandria in search of Aya to inform that he had killed two order members. And it is there that after the reunion, Aya tasks Bayek with killing the snake, the last member of the Order of Ancients. And this is where she gives him the hidden blade of Darius, which would have been a family thing that had been passed down for generations. So after Bayek kills the snake, they have another meetup 
and Bayek being the intelligent person that he is, and I think I probably agree, he says that he doesn't think the snake was the last member of the order. And as we know, from hindsight, he was correct. Yes, and so Aya sends him to Apollodorus to learn more of the order. This leads Aya and Bayek both going to Cleopatra, who, after Bayek swears into Cleopatra's services, basically tasks them with hunting down the different order members. And so Bayek is mainly responsible for hunting down the order of ancient members all across Egypt um, in the different areas. You know this by playing the game's origins and you go about and do that. And I'm not going to go into each kind of one that he goes and kills because you can play the game and you can experience that. However, Aya at this time is set to secure an alliance with Pompey. Now for your history lesson, just a little brief history lesson, in Rome at this time, there are two leaders, counselors, I believe are their actual titles. And it's Julius Caesar and Pompey, and they are equal leaders. And so part of Julius Caesar's rise and his war that comes out, he and Pompey kind of turn against each other. And it has to do with like, Pompey is more of this like established ruler. He like is in with the nobles and plays the system and the wealthy people like him and all of those things. And Julius Caesar is very much, they call him like a, like a man of the people, like a populist, the people really like Julius Caesar when he was young and coming up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they're very much um, two different, like two classic archetypes of a leader, but totally different archetypes. And like, you know, it's not one or good as bad because as we know, Julius Caesar becomes a massive dictator. Right. I mean, he even becomes what Pompey was. Right. And so. He or Pompey. Pompey is, right? Yeah, but I wonder if this, I can't remember of like what is the like. I mean, at least in English, they're spelled different. So I don't know. Yeah. If you know the answer to this, come hop in our Discord server and let us know, please. Thank you. So Aya's tasked with finding an alliance for this. She joins a uh, ship where she is kind of like assistant captain or captain and They try to find Pompey's fleet and create a little alliance. However, Tomali sends his own fleet to kind of get deal with him. And that's what Aya's doing most of the time that Bayek is off dealing with the order. She's doing all these sea missions, which I personally really enjoy because it was the first time naval combat was brought back to the series after Black Flag or Rogue. And I enjoyed it. I don't know if uh, Shelby enjoyed the naval missions or not. I did. There's just the one that I struggled with, the, the very last one, I think. But I finally got it. Yeah. Um, and so after this, Aya comes back to Egypt and most of the land, Memphis and Alexandria and all those places. And this is where they start striking. Cleopatra strikes her re- alliance with Caesar instead of Pompey. And as we know, Caesar betrays them and there's a whole big deal and Cleopatra sleeps with Caesar and there's this whole big deal and it's a whole thing. And I and Bayek are really pissed that Caesar doesn't bring Septimius to justice, who is also an Order of Ancients member. We're going to get into kind of the aftermath of Origins and the ending of that, but I think we should take our break first. Makose! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Laka, 
Malaka. Malaka. Even now, faced as I am with the truth of your cold words, I refuse because I believe things can still change. I may never succeed. The assassins may struggle another thousand years in vain, but we will not stop. So welcome to the break. This is the point in time where we kind of talk about everything that has to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So we're going to tell you everything, um, all kinds of updates about the show. So the biggest update that I have to tell you is that our Discord server just reached 100 members. So we're having a ball over there. And if you haven't joined our Discord server yet, you're really, really, really missing out. So you can come join our Discord server. It's the Cups Podcasting and More. You can find the link to it in the episode description. You can also join the Robots Radio Discord server, especially if you're looking for new shows, new podcasts to listen to, new people to follow on Twitch, that kind of stuff, because there are so many podcasts over there and each and every single one of them is great. So if you're looking for more shows, you're bored of what you're listening to, definitely go check out that server as well. Um, And then the other bit of news that I have to tell you is that we are getting ready to launch a Patreon for this show. So if you want to support us financially, that'll be coming in the next few weeks. We're super excited about it. We'll have all different kinds of tiers all the way from, you know, $5 minimum to get you ad free episodes and then all the way up. um, And our $20 tier, which will be kind of in the middle, will be, um, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, Austin, but that'll be the tier that you can come on the show with us and we'll talk about different topics. So um, if you're looking forward to that, hang tight. That's coming soon. And then the last thing that I have to talk about are reviews, ratings and reviews. And ratings and reviews are really like the best way for, for people to new people to find our show and and determine whether our show is good um, or not. So reviews really help us. We've had a lot of new reviews lately and we're going to read all of them. So thank you guys so much in advance, but you can also, you can review us with words on iTunes, Apple, and you can leave us just a rating on Spotify, like no words, just the number. So if you do leave us a five-star rating on Apple iTunes, we will read it out on the show. And you don't have to listen on Apple. You just have to have like an Apple ID account to get it. So anybody can leave us a rating over there if you want to. So we have a few to read today. So I think there's three. There's two. Yeah, there's two. So Austin, why don't you read the first one and I'll read the second one. All right. Well, this first one comes from the player of many, playa of many, and they say five stars, great content. This is an awesome podcast for any fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Austin and Shelby do a great job of combining historical background and in-depth expositions of AC lore. Their reflective demeanor helped give a lot of the story's content, story slash content, a grounded feel and dissect info without it feeling sluggish. Super thankful that I found this podcast and looking forward to more episodes. God bless. Yeah, thank you, Playa of Many. We're so thankful for that awesome review. And then the other um, review that I have to read is from the Razo 
I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. If not, again, hop into our Discord server and let me know. And this, uh, they said, five stars, great content. I've been a huge fan of Assassin's Creed. I've played every game and your guys' podcast is absolutely amazing. There are a few things I would love to hear you guys talk about, but I'm also behind a few episodes. So I'll catch up and see if you speak on it. Very grateful Spotify suggested you guys to me. Also, thank you to Spotify for recommending us to people. Yeah, thank you. Um, and again, if you have topics you want to hear, you can always shoot us a message on Twitter or on the Discord, and we'll uh, we will take that into consideration. Yes, we will. Um, Austin, I think we're ready to get back to the lore. All right, well, let's get into it. And I know I was really nice to you, but actually I'm just another Templar plot twist. And yes, I would like very much for you to be controlled by a magic space wizard so that you can murder me. I am not a father anymore. I am not a husband. I am not a Medjay. I am a hidden one. Yes. We are the hidden ones. So after Caesar betrays Aya and Bayek, basically, and, and Cleopatra to not let them finally get their last revenge against Septimius, Bayek and Aya once again separate, deciding to kind of form this new creed, the Hidden Ones. And so Bayek is sent to hunt down Flavius, who is went back to Siwa to the vault, and Aya goes after Septimius across the sea into Rome. And so on March 15th, 44 BCE, the Ides of March, Aya assassinates Septimius and Caesar, brings to an end the first contract of the Hidden Ones. And you could argue that like there have been other assassinations of like when the assassins begin, but like this is the start of the Hidden Ones and Julius Caesar is often cited as the first assassination of the Brotherhood. So can you remind me, it's been a while since I played Origins. Um, Septimius is that last fight right before Caesar, right? Yeah, he's got like the two maces and he like swings yeah. them around on chains. Yes, I'm, I remember now. So is, is, is he the one that like is the last kind of member of the group that killed Hemu? Yes, he is kind of like the top dog of the Order of Ancients next to Caesar. Um, he's the one who basically, you know, he calls Caesar the father of understanding. Um, what I have to say to that is, yikes. So is that the first instance of that phrase being used? I have no idea. If you remember from our Templar episodes, the father of understanding is kind of part of the kind of trio of the Order of Ancients of what they believe. Yeah. It's like the father of understanding, the mother of wisdom, and then there's like something that sounds Holy Spirity. What? All right. There's something of something. All right. That sounds like the Holy Spirit. That's all I remember. No, I got you. I got you. And so after this, a year after the assassination of Septimius, Aya sends a letter to Bayek where she says she is now Amunet. Does she give a reason for this? I believe she does in the letter, but I didn't want to get into what the letter actually said. But I believe she just says that it's a new identity for her. Like that I have, I, if I remember correctly, she basically says that I of Siwa died with Kemu and that Amunet is the new rebirth. And I totally get that. Like if you've lost a child, that's an unimaginable sorrow that, that you never get over for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, definitely. And so this was an interesting tie-in, especially playing the games for the first time. Uh, if you, especially if you're a super fan and you remember that Amunet is one of the assassin seals that unlocks Altair's armor. Which I did recently. I unlocked hers, like, right before we moved. Yeah, so her tomb is in Venice. Um, we'll get into that. So, and then kind of after that point, she writes a letter to all the hidden ones warning them of Mark Antony and that and his war with Octavian saying that the assassins need to be ready for anything which we know from history that Octavian becomes Augustus Caesar who makes Julius Caesar look like the most patient and like holy and, and perfect leader of all Yes. If you think Julius Caesar is a terrible dictator, just wait till his nephew Octavian takes the throne. And so Octavian, obviously, like, if there is ever an ancient leader that if you told me to guess who was a Templar or an Order of Ancient, I would have immediately put Augustus Caesar into the list of Order of Ancients Templars. And he was, I'm guessing. I would assume so. I didn't dig too oh, okay. deep into his thing. but Not confirmed. But yeah, I mean, if I was a hidden one and I saw Octavian or Mark Antony and even all these people that I'd be like, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, this is gonna be a problem. So Mark Antony is the same one that was like married or whatever to Cleopatra. Yeah, that's the, he gives the speech, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. So is their relationship before or after this? Um, it's during, basically. He flees to Egypt during the war. And then this is when Augustus Caesar sacks Alexandria and the famous, I believe this is when the Library of Alexandria gets burned. Also, just, just a side note, since you brought it up, I wasn't going to mention it, since you brought it up. It is like, one of the biggest sorrows of the world that that library was destroyed. Like we lost so much knowledge as like the human race that we will just never get back. Yeah. Just, I mean, the Egyptians and like the Greek, the Hellenistic like world, they just, everything was in there. Everything yeah. that you could think to ever want was in there. Yeah. And it's just gone. Yep. Thanks, Caesars. But, so sometime after this, Aya is drawn by Bayek to Sinai to assist with different missions that they're trying to figure out with the Order of Ancients in that area. And so at, a lot of times after the fallout of this, one of their allies ends up using innocent people to further their goals. And Bayek and Aya basically have to go in and stop him. And it is this point that Aya creates the first tenet of the Assassin's Creed or the Hidden Ones Creed at this point, which is stay your blade from the flesh of the innocent. And that in our goal to protect these people, we shouldn't be harming them in the process, which, you know, we can talk about. We've covered the kind of history of the Assassins and... They forget that sometimes. I mean, they definitely do forget it at times, but also, I mean, I, I think generally as an organization, they, they do a pretty good job of following that tenant. Like, 
there are instances, usually isolated instances, where they don't follow the rule. But it's not something that's an afterthought. It's not something that's just totally discarded. And like it goes back to a lot of their like early established like big leaders when you think about it, which are the first two big leaders of the Assassin's Creed who have a lasting effect on the Brotherhood are Altair and Ezio. Ezio, to my knowledge, never breaks that point of the creed. Well, why would he when his family are people who were innocent and murdered? Right. And we know Altair breaks the creed at the beginning, but from that point, he... he, I was just going to say, but he gets punished. Yeah. Um, And so it's, it's probably at the... It's probably the most important aspect of the Assassin's Creed. And so after this, another time happens, Bayek is in Thebes and he discovers a piece of Eden is causing curses around the city of Thebes. And he ends up sending that to Aya. And so she, this is kind of her tie-in to season two is that she is one of the early people to actually hold the piece of Eden as an, one of the hidden ones or assassins. Do we know, like, is this one of the apples? Is this It's the an sh- apple. Hmm? It's an apple. And so in Amunet's late life, she presides over the first ever kind of like council of the assassins or hidden ones. They hold like a synod is what they call it. Um, and so they're discussing the ironies of their creed. In fact, they're basically saying if nothing if nothing is true, then that statement is also false. And if everything is permitted, who gives permission? And she's questioned by a young acolyte named Magus, and she provides an answer to the irony where she stops for a moment to relive a memory. And she continues kind of to explain the tenets. And I think what she basically does in this, this is from a comic. She basically kind of just says that it's not a black and white thing. It's not something to be taken literally. The thing of nothing is true is saying that what the world takes as constants, what the world takes as fact is often presented in a certain agenda or in a certain light. So truth is something that must be sought after and dissected versus just accepted. And that everything is permitted is realizing that because everything is flawed, the laws of man, the laws of these governments do not stop the hidden ones from their goal of freedom and freeing the people. And I, I do understand like the, the tenants are a little bit conflicting, but I personally, with the exception of the first one, I don't really feel like it's about following the letter of the law, like to the T it's more about following the spirit of this and letting this creed guide your life. Not just about, okay, I've got to make sure I follow these specific rules, you know, like that's very Templar way to look at it. So when she is questioned further about the ironies of the creed, uh, she answers that the group needed laws to govern their selfless acts of justice. And with this, she concludes the synod saying that there would never be another. Um, And so this is where the three tenets are officially put into 
practice into the hidden ones that will become the assassins, which is, as we've covered, stay your blade from the flesh of the innocents, stick to the shadows, don't reveal yourself, and then never compromise the brotherhood. And so on the subject of the third tenet, Amulet told Acolytes to never reveal their name or the names of their family as doing so would break compromising the brotherhood. She strongly advised them to never seek recognition, glory, compensation for their work. She then dismissed the Acolytes to continue their work. By this time, Amulet's own name was a secret known to a few. Uttering her name was believed among Acolytes to be punishable by death. Wow. That seems a little extreme. I think it, I mean, it makes sense to me because like they knew that Bayek and Aya were Magi and they targeted them and their family as the Order of Ancients. So it makes sense to me that Aya would be like, don't reveal who you are. Don't reveal anything about yourself. No, I get that. I do. I do get that because especially if you, if you think about her life, like, I guess we don't know how her parents died, but like she's targeted. Her father-in-law is targeted. Her husband is targeted. Her child is targeted. Like her, it's her whole family. And, you know, to this day, like the assassins in the modern day go through and erase the members records as if they have died or never have existed. But it's funny Legion of the Dead, kind of. In Dragon Age, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny, though, because, like, playing through Assassin's Creed 2, it's, like, he's all the time, like, I'm Ezio Auditore. Prepare to die, basically. And also, she says you should never get paid. Um, Well, Ezio's bringing in the cash. I know, it's... There's actual, this is a point where game mechanics and actual lore kind of just split. No, I get that. I get that. So yeah, that's Aya. Um, well, are we going to talk about her legacy a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah. Or um, did we so as, Yeah, as we mentioned, uh, Aya's tomb has a tomb in Venice that you go to in Assassin's Creed 2. She's one of the six tombs that unlocks Altair's armor. Um, And she is, even there, she's pointed out as the assassin who poisoned Cleopatra, which she actually did. In the the siege of Alexandria, she goes to Cleopatra and takes Caesarion, her son, to be trained as a hidden one and leaves Cleopatra a vial of poison. Wow. So they had a falling out. Yep. She, however, is not buried in the tomb in Venice. She is buried with Bayek in Egypt. Okay, so explain that a little bit more. So the tomb in Venice is just kind of like a mausoleum, like, or like a place where her body actually isn't. Her actual body is with Bayek in Egypt. How do we know this information? Um, because Layla finds it. Oh, that's right. Duh, that's in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so also Legacy, in AC Valhalla, you can read a letter from Bayek to Aya after finding all the hidden one bureaus in the game. And this letter is basically Bayek warning Amunet basically that we need to strike our names and your names from the records so that no one Mm -hmm. knows like who we are and our connection to the hidden ones. Right. Wow. Which, Which I think is like, this is a point of like, you know, a couple episodes ago after World War II, I said that the assassins kind of return to their proper place, like where they're supposed to be, of not being like really established and 
kind of this underground group. And I think this is why, like Bayek and Aya are very clear in what they set up as like, no one, we need to exist, but to do what we need to do, no one needs to know we exist. Because at the end of the day, no matter what they do, just by virtue of who, the, who they are and what they've set up, this organization, there's always going to be a target on their back. Right. And like having like denying glory, denying recognition to your members is going to make sure that your members are truly devoted to your cause. And there is this act of selfless justice that happens in there. Yeah. But not only that, it protects your members from broadcasting their identities all over the place too. Right. And I know you have the big moment of like Etsy, one of Ezio's biggest mistakes is that when he does his first assassination, he's like, oh, the auditories are not gone. I'm still alive. Ezio auditory. Like, yeah, I know when, when he did that, I was literally screaming, like, what are you doing? Just run away. Just run as fast as you can. But he wouldn't be Ezio if he didn't make a few mistakes along the way. Yeah, he definitely is the flash and flare of the assassins. Oh, we know. I mean, if it was going to be anyone, it would be someone from the like late 1400s. Yeah, I mean, he also is just like charisma personified. Well, let's get back to Aya. But so, yeah, that's really all of Aya's legacy other than like she founds what like the assassins like she's one of the founding members which is a huge legacy yeah absolutely she's a big deal yeah um so why do you like or slash dislike this character so when i first started playing origins i loved aya um and i i, I loved aya because i loved bayek even more um but as the game went on I kind of began to dislike Aya a little bit just because I felt like she was a little bit unfair to Bayek and she was always kind of dragging him around to all these different things and like sending him on different missions that he didn't really ask to be sent on, you know? And I I guess the whole point of it is that they grew apart um, after the death of Hemu and I get that, but I just wanted Bayek to be happy and so I wasn't sure if, like, Aya was the person that made him happy anymore. Um, but throughout this episode, I really um, didn't know much about her founding the Order and, and all of that. So learning all of that information definitely makes me like her a bit more. What about you? What do you think? I like Aya because I think that she represents like what it means to be an assassin and the sacrifices that need to be made to be that kind of like commitment to that kind of cause. Uh, I also think that she and Bayek represent two ways to be an assassin. Aya is this like staunch, like I'm gonna detach myself from all relationships so I can focus solely on the mission and protecting the people and do all that and just throw myself into that. And whereas Bayek is more like, I want to be kind of more known by the people and in relationship with these people. And that's how I succeed my goal. And I don't think either one is right or wrong. I think the assassins need both of those kind of people. Um, I do think that 
Aya is more of a leader than Bayek is, even though Bayek is, I would argue, a better person. Um, and I tend to like him better than Aya, but I think she's a better leader. I, I both agree and disagree with that. Um, I agree because I think she's more, maybe not more willing to make the hard choices, but I think she's more prepared um, to make the hard decisions of leadership. Like, I feel like if Bayek was, was faced with a really hard decision about, you know, like, do we get this apple of Eden or let a child die? Bayek is always going to rescue the child, but Aya, she's probably going to go after the piece of Eden. And when you're, when you're leading an, an organization, like they're leading, I think you have to be at least willing to consider those options. So I agree with that. But also at the same time, I don't think that means Bayek is a bad leader. I would just echo what you said about their, their two different ways of being assassins. There are two different ways of leading. Um, and there's a time and a place for both, I think. Right. And I think that like, so like Aya more represents the kind of like William Miles stream of assassins of like, I'm committed to this cause no matter what, because this cause, I believe a hundred percent with my heart that this cause is the right thing to do. Whereas like Bayek is more along the lines of the Connor Kenway assassin in that mm -hmm. I want to do this so that I and the world can live in peace. 100%. Um, so yeah, do you have anything else about Aya? Um, I don't, I mean, I loved, loved Origins so much as a game. Um, that was the first Assassin's Creed game I ever played. So I loved it, adored it. And so far I really have enjoyed Assassin's Creed too, but so far Origins still has my heart. So for that reason, I very much enjoyed this episode. Yes. Um, Origins is a great game. I go back and forth on if which one I like better between Odyssey and Origins. Um, Cassandra just always have a special place in my heart just because her voice acting is amazing. Not that Bayek's is bad, but her voice acting is amazing. And I just really like her story. I like that she's this badass mercenary who beats people up but at the same time cries and grieves mm -hmm. and bike is also the same way um but yeah so i go back and forth of the new games which one i like better yeah unless you have anything else we can wrap this thing up nope i'm good to go all right well thank you for listening to the assassin's creed Lorecast. make sure you join us next week Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us. 
on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.